This is Beers with Talos. Threats, beers, and most of us. Welcome to the stream. I hope that music was not quite as loud in your ears as it just was in mine, because my ears are about bleeding. If you are listening on a normal podcast channel, welcome or welcome back. This is Beers with Talos, and we are doing a special live stream edition today, complimenting our Monday broadcast. Uh, to kind of do an update on everything that's happened this week with Log4J and what an eventful week it has been. I'm joined today by Matt Only, JJ Cummings, and Liz Waddell, all from the Talos Group and Talos IR Group, and we're going to talk a little bit about everything we've learned this week and all of the changes and advancements Log4J has made this week? I don't think it's been even Evolutions. <laughs> All right. So if you are not familiar, which I guess you may have been living under a rock or in some place without internet for the last week. Trapped in Charles de Gaulle Airport. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm envious of that. So if, if you do need a, a quick catch up and primer, I did see uh, one of one of my favorite YouTube channel, Cybersecurity 101. Mac Hertz uh, does a great job with quick explainers on big things that are happening in cybersecurity. And he put out a video this morning. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at MacHertz1. Hertz like frequency, not like you're back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the short of it is your log server can reach out and pull a Java class and start running it. Um, no one has yet explained to me why a log server can do this. Like I can explain to you, this is the vuln. I can't explain to you what, what special, special set of circumstances existed where someone was like, I have the best idea. Yeah. What was the use case for that up front? I, I still can't, I, to be fair, I haven't tried to figure that out because, you know, we've been buried in the party that already exists. I mean, I hope, I hope like, so to be fair, the Log4J developers like in, in their, in their early response um, said something to this effect. They're like, we don't like this feature. And, like, and you can tell because the fix in 2.16 is we shut the feature off. And yeah. if, if that affects you, so be it. Um, uh, so it's off by default at 2.16. Um, they don't like it. What I would say is if you are an open source developer um, that's not with Log4J and you have a feature that that radically amplifies the threat surface of your product and it's justified by backwards compatibility, consider disabling it by default and providing them an option to turn that off. Like, like that is kind of what happened. Like that's the evolution here is, is they have something that apparently was useful someplace. Uh, I've seen lots of weird things in computers. I'm sure it, it was justified, but like it makes, it makes everybody else dramatically less safe by having that feature on by default. It's just like SMB V1 in Windows. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same uh, uh, macros in Excel. Like some things that are absolutely demonstrably useful, but dramatically increase the risk for people. Like it should just be off by default. It's true. Uh, so we, we saw this initially. Well, I mean, there, there's been some discussion over when this was initially found, um, but this was disclosed just over a week ago, uh, just about a week ago. Um, and it seemed like, I don't want to th say things were simmering down as the week went on, but we were, we were getting a better understanding of things. Uh, there were some changes, some blips, some ups and downs. Uh, but for the most part, it seemed like everybody was kind of hunting after the same things, which 
we'll talk about in a second could produce its own set of problems. Um, but things seem to change a little bit last night, even further. Uh, Matt or JJ, do you want to do you want to talk about the the latest latest? Yeah, JJ, would it take us to the roundup? Yeah, I, 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 let me start kind of at the beginning. Um, you know, Mitch, you talked about when this was disclosed. Uh, this was initially disclosed by Alibaba to Apache on November twenty four. Um, and then on the 9th, uh, so a little over a week ago now, we saw a public POC published. And from that point forward, things have <laughs> things have exploded, right? I, I think that's about the only way to say it. And it seems like daily, we're seeing exponential growth in terms of scanning on the internet. Um, right now, there are three CVEs associated with this. Uh, there's, of course, the first CVE, uh, which is critical. Uh, that's the 44 228 CVE, so 2021-44228. Um, that's the the CVE where uh, there are there's a fundamental flaw in the Log Forge core um, library, and that's the one that everybody was initially taking advantage of. Right. Since then, uh, they released a patch. Uh, Two uh, was a release that was supposed to contain a patch. That was discovered uh, by researchers uh, in not very many days after it was released uh, to also contain some vulnerability. At the time, they thought that it contained limited denial of service vulnerability uh, in non-default configurations. Since then, as of last night or early this morning, uh, that actually has taken a turn. <clears throat> not only is it limited denial of service, but it's also limited RCE. Uh, again, in non-default type configurations. So that went from a, a CVS score of <laughs> 3.7 to 9.0, uh, literally overnight, uh, which, which makes it a, 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 pretty, uh, a pretty serious thing that we need to look at or that needs to be looked at by defenders. Um, and then, of course, there's another one that affects 1x. We can talk more about that. But it's, it's, been, a really <clears throat> it's been a really interesting... Uh, vulnerability or set of vulnerabilities to watch in terms of the evolution of the attackers. Um, you know how <clears throat> we started started seeing just the the initial knocking on the door to now uh, like a river was diverted and it's. And I want to talk a little down. bit about that specifically, JJ. Um, so it did seem like when uh, this when this, the the announcements were first made, the first disclosures were made. There was what you'd expect. There was a lot of uh, DDoS type activity, some coin mining that was like coming around, but it didn't seem to take too long before. I think Matt, you're the one that put it this way. Before the nine to fivers clocked in, right before the the pros showed up and decided to come and do their worst. Liz, uh, from where you sit in our IR group, you are our kind of boots on the ground and our face to a lot of our customers. Um, so talk to us, what are you seeing in that regard? Like, has there been progression in the exploits themselves and how does that look? So this is where it's interesting and also a bit scary. So, you know, we're the ones who our customers are coming to with, I am seeing, you know, active signs of compromise and we're not getting those calls yet. Well, the calls that we're getting is, am I vulnerable? How do I know if this has been exploited in my environment? So we're helping a lot out with, you know, threat hunts and other things really to detect whether or not we've gotten past that I'm vulnerable stage. And so from a responder, especially as we go into holidays, which typically is very, uh, very busy time for us in IR, like quiet for everybody else. And, 
you know, last year we had solar winds and this year we have this. So yay holidays. Um, but that does make me a little nervous that it's been so quiet on that front. And I think, you know, yeah. JJ, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit you know, earlier about you know, what we're seeing in terms of now this being used for in lateral movement. So really thinking about that adversaries are going to be used as vulnerability for a number of ways to get into your environment. So how do we quickly detect they are in there in the first place to contain this as quickly as possible, right? So one, obviously the first is whether or not I'm vulnerable, but then it goes into that second, well, you know, we've got our lovely supply chain, right? So what are the other avenues that, you know, my other, you know, vendors, et cetera, products, how do I know where else this can be coming in from? So uh, do we want to talk about Conti or ransomware at this point? Just kind of like the, where this is maybe heading. Go ahead, JJ. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think that's a great, a great segue. Liz, one of the, one of the things we're seeing are reports now of Conti uh, not only actively using this exploit to gain their initial foothold, but then further weaponizing it for internal lateral movement, which I think really this hits home in terms of some of the things we've also been talking about on our blog, that the the attack surface here is not only represented by servers that are externally facing, but by anything that a log might traverse that would have this vulnerability. <clears throat> We're seeing cases where, uh, as a generic example, errors are trying to be produced or information is being put in meta fields uh, for certificates that are being generated for cookies uh, in websites that have been compromised with standard WordPress, Drupal, Joomla uh, type content management systems. The website's compromised. The bad guy then plugs in some hidden fields containing the exploit string, right? Looking to exploit uh, via drive-by uh, type, uh, type techniques. Uh, so it's, you know, unfortunately with this vulnerability, the sky's kind of the limit. Uh, we're seeing cases where exploitation attempts occur uh, by uh, security researchers. And as that log from that exploitation attempt makes its way through the logging infrastructure, the logging and analytics infrastructure, I guess I should say more accurately, uh, hours later, sometimes even longer as it makes its way through, then we're seeing callbacks from vulnerable infrastructure inside that's not even exposed to the internet. Uh, so the you know the implications here are are long reaching from from a targeting perspective. Hmm. And so JJ, your team, um, and just give, feel free to give a little background on on your role as a principal engineer in Intel and interdiction there. But you guys have been deep in this um, since since the start, right? I mean, this is this is kind of what you guys do. Uh, how? How how what's your team's feeling at this point in time in terms of like are we looking at a long long haul here or is this something that we're going to get fixed in the next couple of weeks and and we'll probably not hear from again? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd certainly love to hear some other perspectives, uh, but I think I think we're absolutely in it for the long haul. <laughs> at the end of the day, <clears throat> there are so many different products, different embedded uh, tools and operating systems that, that potentially use this, right? I mean, we're seeing everything across the board already, and it's only going to grow as more advanced adversaries start to adopt this, start to use this uh, in, you know, in their standard TTP, right? Um, 
again, the sky's the limit, right? So when the bad guy targets one thing and gets six things that respond, the the victim may not even know, right? They may not know that somewhere buried deep within their logging infrastructure is this That's thing. That's the thing, yeah. You know? So and, there's, there's like, there's ahead, like three things about this that, that you know, I kind of want to talk about, like, the the meta-ness of this some things about to take away from watching this environment one is the blood in the water aspect so you will see this when it, when a when a a vone like this comes out all of a sudden the entire security research community will pivot to log4j and start start trampling over it and looking for everything and that's why you see not just 44228 but also 45046 and also 4104 like that's because all of a sudden it's got like this intense brightness to it. So there's, it's conceivable that, that you'll upgrade a two one six and then someone will say, Hey, there's this thing, you know, that also two one six is vulnerable to that. You're going to have to then upgrade to again. So that's a possibility. Um, the other thing to think about is you need to think about not just what this, what the, the immediate impact of a successful compromise here is. But when we're talking about what, what I refer to as the 95ers, those are like, those are typically well-resourced adversaries. Um, one of the ways you typically track them is they typically work Monday through Friday, nine to five. Their day job is to compromise your systems on, on behalf of um, their government. Um, so when, when, when they're involved, you don't see the impact right now. Right. So so your systems will continue to run. All of your things will continue to be OK. Um, but they have through this, this potentially through this vulnerability obtained a level of access that then allows them to conduct an operation later. All the APTs right now, they're not That's stealing the anything. They're not they're largely they're not stealing anything. Um, <laughs> but like broadly speaking, my expectation would be if I were going into an engagement with an APT uh, at this point, it is a foothold you know go go lateral to get a secondary foothold and then stop uh and wait assess what you have and figure out what given this target what the operational context is for this target are you um extracting data from this target or using this target to attack another target um i was talking to like a, a fortune 50 company about this the other day um they are probably well set on on responding to log 4j but what we have seen consistently from adversaries is they will attack your law firm then to get to you, or they will attack your supplier then to get to you, or they will attack the service that you've done. And then it's a supply chain attack. Those are the kind of like the echoes that I see from this are going to be much more along the lines of this enabled this more, uh, more egregious offensive action later than what we kind of are seeing right now, which is largely like, like certainly by volume, Coin miners and DDoS bots. So the question that I'm going to get from my customers is, how do I know that somebody has, you know, exploited this and are sitting in my environment, right? So <laughs> for the the more, and I hate using it, the, but these are the more sophisticated adversaries, right? They're, the, you know, that word gets, throw, gets thrown around too much in our industry. But in this case, <laughs> these are actually the ones who are sophisticated. So Matt, you know, based on you know, what you were saying, like, do you have an idea of how we could actually detect somebody who has gone in and put that foothold into your environment? So like one of the things I said on the, on the initial uh, live stream was nothing about this has changed like dramatically the technological approach. So 
Log4j is simply the initial access method. Everything you know about post-compromise behavior is continues to be in play here. So because we are we know that we're in a race between um, attackers and defenders, like both of them roughly uh, across the board found out at the same time that there's this problem. Now, can you patch? Can you mitigate? Can you remediate before they get their payload ready? They, they figure out how to convert their whatever into Java or they build their class, you know, or they use whatever the, the GitHub supplied is the, uh, the class supplier for base 64 requests of specific shellcode. All of that, you have to guess that it is potential that you are behind on this curve. So then you have to be have an extraordinarily high index of suspicion when you are evaluating what you're seeing in your environment. Um, things that you normally might let go, you want to kind of dig into. If you have the capacity to change the level of like severity of alerting, of logging, of, of DNS logging, um, if you're able to reduce the amount of outbound LDAP, if you're able to do any of these things, absolutely do that, even if you think you're patched. Because the theme we're starting to see right now is well we thought we've seen vendors come out and say we're not affected who are now like oh wait we are affected we have to change this um we're seeing things where you know potentially the, uh, this guy that worked there 10 years ago <laughs> dropped it into some code and we <laughs> totally well, or, forgot about it <laughs> or worse say it, say you use like this is the the scenario that i'm thinking about you use log4j in your application right but so does another library that you have. Your use of log4j is safe. What you don't know is that library's use is right. unsafe. And you're not. So here's I mean, here's what I would say. And I, I'm not going to put it as bluntly as I put it in the private channel, but just upgrade to 216. Like don't <laughs> don't like if if you use log4j, I don't care what version, upgrade. If you use old versions, upgrade. Uh, you know, if you're affected by, you know, CVE 2021-4104, not only upgrade, but upgrade because that code train ended in August of 2015. So upgrade. Wow. Like, it was, was EOL back then. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you are a developer, I promise you, you do not know enough to figure out whether or not you're affected. Like, like there are like maybe 25 developers on the planet who are both experts in development and also have the capacity to correctly understand everything that's going on in their systems and how this exploit goes through. If you would, the time you're spending on like twisting yourself into justifying not, you know, working over the holiday, just <laughs> upgrade, <laughs> upgrade to 216. And I'm sorry, but like what'll happen is there's two things that'll happen. I guess there's three. I'll give you three. One, you're right. Congratulations. You managed to get away with it. But two, you're right now, six months from now, you hire somebody, they implement some logging that is now unsafe. You forget that you never upgraded. Now you're vulnerable. Or three, you're wrong and someone finds some kind of cascading weird message to, to work the templates to actually deliver the payload in a way that you didn't expect because you aren't trained to think like an attacker. And so that is what we consistently see when we're working with developers um, you know, it, it, I mean, I think gone are the times where we're like, hey, you have a buffer overflow. Your buffer is 200 bytes long. If we send it 400 bytes, then it overflows. And then they're like, okay, well, we made the buffer 500. So we're safe now. <laughs> That's, we're past that. But these, these kind of things we've seen 
Um, early days, Microsoft screwed this up where they're like, well, we didn't actually patch the vulnerable condition, but we trimmed the attack matrix so you can't reach that path. And they're like, oh, found another way to get to it. Sorry. So here's the second patch. Um, and it's not just like even developers intimately familiar with the code. Like the reason 45046 exists is exactly what I'm talking about. They patched 44228 miss the fact that in certain non-standard configurations there's an additional code path to where they were going here we have 45046 they thought it was just a ddos so it was set to 37 cvss hey turns out there's a smart guy on the internet who can find a way to warp the templates now you have remote control oh guess that's a 9 cvss like it's cool to try to be you know try to be smart but sometimes you're just like i'm just gonna patch and uh go watch tv like that's a completely valid action. Yeah, I mean, we've only made about 115 episodes of this podcast now. If only we had thought to tell people to patch and segment and take a risk-based approach. I mean, you know, it's literally every episode if you have not listened to this podcast before, by the way. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what this argument is for why you would not patch it beyond it's going to break something. I, like, I, can think of, I can think of one. I can think yeah. of one. And it's only because I've had the opportunity to work at Cisco. Um, so like there are certain like like you have you cannot just you can't just build a product, upgrade the library and ship it. Right. That's not a safe way to conduct business. It's not safe. It's not responsible for your customers. It's not responsible for anything else. So there is an enormous amount of case testing that you have to do before you are ever allowed to, to go out. It's one of the reasons why some of our protections take longer to go out because they require additional checks. So if you're faced with that, I have to, I have to do all these tests and these tests take a long time because there's thousands of them uh, because my product is large and complex. If I can show that, that it's not vulnerable, then I can skip this part and then I can work this upgrade into my normal cycle of development. Like there is a business, there's a completely understandable business justification for trying to find a reason not to upgrade. Uh, and what I'm saying is faced with a CVSS 10 score vulnerability that has already tricked the original developers twice and has tricked other vendors at least twice that I've seen, maybe just upgrade. Unless you have like some really qualified people working with you on, on kind of what's going on. I do want to talk about protection, IOCs, some of the things that we've investigated, put out, and the strenuous pace of updates that we have put onto our blog. Uh, but before we do that, I think we'd be remiss if we uh, didn't also mention that uh, Cisco is, is, like every other vendor, hard at work mitigating, remediating the threat, and we are updating that post. Uh, we can put a, a, a short link to that up as well. Uh, we're busy remediating that stuff, updating that post three times a day, keeping everybody as up to date as possible. If I uh, make sure I actually get the language I was told right there, uh, there's been so we have a uh, we've been all all affected Cisco products are either currently remediated or have software updates scheduled for release at this time, and you can check that link that we'll put up and keep track of that. Like I said, that's being uh, updated three times a day. Uh, but back to our post where we have also been, the, the Talos Intelligence post, where we have also been hard at work uh, trying to keep protection and information as updated as possible. Um, 
Matt, why don't we start with you on this one? Yep. Take us through this process. So this is a thing that you know we've we've been hard at for well over a week now, uh, trying to keep everybody as there, there's unique challenges as fast as this information is flowing, mm -hmm. and trying to keep the public protected. Can you tell us a little bit about how we've gone about that and where we're at right now? So there is there's a couple different ways. Um, the very first thing we did, like just I, I don't see any reason not to like to show a little bit behind behind the the curtain. Um, you know, the first thing we do is we open a WebEx Teams channel and we're like, everyone was working with Log4j um, with Talos in here. So that includes the people that are writing the snort rules, the people that are making sure that Umbrella gets the right domain updates, um, the experts who are part of the vulnerability development crew um, and the intelligence analysts out of my group. And so they are constantly, and, and part of, if you see me kind of doing this during the, the podcast is I'm checking this channel as things are, as things are going on. Um, I've noticed that every single person's head is kind of on a swivel, <laughs> like this whole podcast. So, <laughs> so there are currently a hundred people in that channel. Um, and it's the reason that like, so it wasn't that size to begin with, but as we um, pull expertise from other places in Cisco, which let me tell you what, the great thing about working for Cisco is that if you have a technical challenge, you will find an expert in that technical challenge somewhere in, in Cisco. So doesn't matter where it is, mm -hmm. you'll find it. It's awesome. Um, so so reaching out, pulling in different people, um, getting like the the people who can, you know, we have the super smart researchers, get the fancy writing people, put them together so that we can try to put something out to the public that makes sense to like normal human beings, um, like that kind of process. And so that channel has, I don't think it's gone 15 minutes without an update for any period of time since last Friday. Um, so 24 hours a day, seven, the last seven days of this weird week, um, people are in there. Um, they've just updated um, our internal hunting regex strings for all the different um, um, uh, obfuscations that are available in, in terms of trying to bypass WAFs and firewalls, um, keeping up with all of that. Um, that, that kind of that's like the core room. And then there's another room where we're making sure that the people that talk to customers directly um, are up to speed and they have the support that they need and that c customers with specific kinds of questions are getting their response. So there's there's three or four kind of major rooms just coming out of the threat intelligence piece, um, um, as well as providing one on one updates to either customers or to people inside of Cisco who are working this issue who are looking for, for specific information. That's all kind of going on, um, and then doing live streams. Uh, <laughs> that's it, that's what we do. Has been a busy one, JJ. On the on, on the research side itself, like, what does the process look like, and how does this differ when we go into? You know, I don't know what we'd even call these uh, that we can say here on this live stream, but like the, these kind of situations, you know, these. Um, how does that differ in your process and your team's process uh, as opposed to last week at this time and the normal hunting and investigations that you're into? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, it starts out like any other investigation, right? We start to get reports that, you know, something either is happening or there's a new critical CVE to something that is widely distributed and used. <clears throat> and, you know, from there, we just grow it kind of to Matt's point that, <clears throat> excuse me, that he made earlier. Uh, we build a WebEx team room or we start a WebEx team room and we start to pull experts in 
from various areas with inside Talos that, or, or within Cisco as a whole, frankly, uh, that that can help us to, you know, not only triage the problem, but also track from uh, an open source intelligence perspective to actually look at the exploitation uh, potential. <clears throat> you know, there's there's so many components and and facets to this. Um, that's a that's that's actually a good point that I, that I missed, JJ. Uh, we're also working with external partners, with the Cyber Threat Alliance, in in kind of coordinating with other security vendors, with uh, CISA through the Joint Cyber Defense Coalition, uh, the JCDC, uh, working specifically this issue, um, working with CISA on generating recommendations out on that. They just put out their um, Emergency Directive 2202 today that has informed all federal non-military government agencies that they have to have patched, mitigated, or removed the offending device by December 23rd. So, um, which I think is interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, this is a very concise, definitive language from, from CISA, which we don't always get this early in a stage. Right. And so this has literally been happening for a week and now we already have government directives you have until the 23rd. Is there a punishment if you don't? Uh, you're legislatively, they are required to abide by the emergency directive. So, I'm not sure what the penalty box looks like for that, but but there is there is teeth behind this directive. Yeah, um, the other thing that CISA has done is kind of put together a list of affected vendors um, and and their current status, um, and they're using that uh, that list that they've created um, as part of informing, trying to, to assist um, agencies in interpreting their environments with respect to this particular vulnerability. I, I think it, one of the things we're going to see also is. Uh, and this is expected, but the continuance of things being added to the list, right? It's it it may be two months before a certain vendor determines that they have some embedded device that was developed five years ago, right? Not not every vendor has the best security practices or even visibility within their own code base. Sometimes, unfortunately, I'm getting lost. There's so much uh, data, and and in that blog post, I was actually just trying to pick some things out to 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 go deeper into. There's, but there's one piece of research that that I want to let JJ use because I haven't let him use it anywhere else. <laughs> but I think it, I think the number like and just before I I don't normally like um, this many things per whatever metrics because it's very dependent on your visibility. Um, it's hard, like, then you're tempted to compare between vendors, and, and I don't think it's viable just because different vendors have different levels of access, they measure things differently, but the, the number that I like was just the number of different source IP attacks that you observed for just Log4j. Uh, about 21,500 uh, at this time. Wow. And a typical volume there would be for, you know, a... Uh, uh, like that's a that's a, a what kind of a lift is that from what you would have anticipated, I guess. I mean, for something this of this magnitude, I that's fully expected. That's a weird kind of question. It's hard to like like so, but like Mirai, like you know, you know, when we send out our updates um, on on botnets like Mirai or or Activision Emitet or even Observe Cobalt Strike, we don't generally operate in the tens of thousands of currently active observed within the last 48 hours sort of numbers like so this this thing is just exploded and and one of the things that we've seen and i don't know liz do you want to talk a little bit about i don't about the potential impact of scanning that some of our customers have experienced and and uh some advice maybe we have for people who are scanning 
stop it. <laughs> Knock it off. <laughs> Everybody else is already. Ask your neighbor for his scan. He just did one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's we are creating as an industry a secondary problem of we are basically DDoSing everybody. Yay! That is that has been great. Um, not us. It's been great. Let's be clear there. Not not specifically Liz and her friends. This is an industry wide like thing that is. Well, uh, some of my friends, I'm sure. Sure, they're they're all jerks, but I mean, so go ahead. There's two kinds of there's two two things here, right? Um, The security industry community has created a a impetus in particularly newer emergency researchers that oh, the way to get a job is you you do like research on your own and you scan stuff and you go and you write stuff up and you kind of get your name out there, and that. That is good. That's fine. I, and, and typically, I find researchers like that who are heavily engaged in security. They're always thinking about it. That's what how they spend their off time anyway. But the thing that I would say to you, if you are in that camp, um, is if you are scanning for Log4j and you are causing the device you were scanning to do something that it would not normally do, if you were causing it to execute a shell command or are you causing it to fetch a class or just causing it to reach out to a DNS query so you can know that that, that happened, you are over the line. Like that is not okay, right? You are, you are putting yourself or if you're instructing your employees to do this, you're putting your employees in danger because that can easily prosecutable in terms of, of the way the CFAA is interpreted in the United States. So just don't, like if that's, if that's the room you are, Cutting to the other side, where I'm less less patient and understanding, if you are a company and your business model is I scan for these things and then I reach out to affected parties, mm. I, I go to my Twitter and I'll use the right language there. But, <laughs> but it's, it's ambulance Again, chasing at its similar. finest. It's, it's ambulance chasing, which is always distasteful, but it is also putting those organizations at risk. Like yeah. we have we have an example of an organization that experienced a DOS condition because of unsolicited scanning from a mm, shady, shady sort of security entity that I'm not going to name. But like when we were doing our research, we're like, I don't know what this, what this organization's deal is. Um, So, so if you are in any ways trying to make things better, think very carefully about how you are scanning and what you were causing that box to do and what the impact of your activity will be. And, and, and what triggers the scan, right? The, the, the responsible uh, organizations out there that are doing this are, you know, are asking the, the, the victims, or not the victims, but the customers themselves to trigger the scan. And they're providing yeah. them specific information so that when they actually execute such a scan, they can then look in the data and see, oh, this this GUID that is just my GUID showed up, so I know that these things are vulnerable. Yeah, if you have a if you have an arrangement with an organization, have that right. Make sure that arrangement's like properly laid out. But yeah, no, then you're in the clear. But if you're just you know, I want to know how many boxes in Estonia are vulnerable to Log4j. Here we go. Launch the scan. Sit back. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe well, not. And- 
I would also say from a legitimate standpoint, because I also see this in my future, is if you are doing that type of activity, can you make sure that you're documenting it and everybody in your company, especially in your security company knows? So when I get called in to say, were we attacked? I can actually say, I know this was somebody trying to see if I was vulnerable or this was somebody else. Because I know, I guarantee that I'm looking in my crystal ball within like a month, I'm going to be having this conversation with somebody. And they're going to be like, I don't know if that was us or a bad guy. And, and to that point, <clears throat> the yeah. amount of noise to signal ratio right now is kind of obscene because of security researchers and companies that are executing scans in unsolicited ways, right? Um, which even include noise on file systems. We're seeing cases where people are writing files saying, hey, uh, I'm a security researcher and I was here. Like To, to Matt's point, that's, that's not the right way to do it. <laughs> the researcher version of tagging <laughs> that's right uh i did have one question so the um it's obvious is this is affecting logging right and and the smart adversary from our conversation today the smart adversary is getting in and laying low and trying to achieve persistence uh so that some months down the road they can they can pop up in some other at some other part or avenue of a system and 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 do their do their thing given that this is a vulnerability in a logging library uh what's the likelihood of finding the log that tells you that this is what happened oh this is friend pierre came up with the answer to this for us so uh i actually had pointed i had made a joke i was like hey the good news is you know, you're guaranteed to have logs to look at on IR because frequently we're a little short on that um, for this when this comes up. And Pierre pointed out that if the attack is successful, it replaces the logging action with the fetch of the malicious code. So there will be no logs uh, in the hmm. examples that we were looking at. Um, again, everything there are there are lots of that can envision lots of systems where it logs first and then processes later and then you're vulnerable. But like in, in the in this example we were looking at, it just quietly loaded the Java class into memory and kept on trucking. Now, where <clears throat> where it is logged though is not in the vulnerable component. It would be logged in like the web server logs potentially. Yeah. Right. So you would be able to, yeah. to look inside of that. Oh, so the, now they have web server logs. This is awesome. I love this <laughs> <laughs> Being a little aggressive with some assumptions here. Bitter yeah. IR commander <laughs> is bitter. So I think that actually points out like a pretty interesting thing that that maybe. There, if we can switch away from like 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 uh, treating this as the internet ending thing and kind of treat it as like a really interesting security problem, um, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating problem to present to the community. It is it is first off you have to say do i use this in my enterprise so so am i responsible for introducing this um and then uh you go like so i know that say at talos we are constantly developing tools like like on the fly like i have an idea to track this this actor better so i'm going to do this and so like random little weird things are popping up all over you know we do have some controls on where those things can pop up but they'll pop up very quickly um, all over the place. So kind of going back and evaluating those is, it can be difficult. So you have that problem. Um, you have the problem of, um, your vendors. So then you're like, okay, are you vulnerable? And your vendor is, you know, in a position where they're going to be like, I don't know yet. I'm looking, 
And you're like, well, what do I do now? And so now you have this whole period where you're like, how do I mitigate a vulnerability that I'm not sure I'm vulnerable to? What do I respond to? So this is kind of a test on your intelligence program, right? Because there's lots of ideas out there. I think one of the early things that I saw was like, do we block LDAP going out? And my question is, well, do you need LDAP going out? Well, then block it. And then people were like, oh, but then you miss this. And there's this alternative thing. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But 99% of my telemetry is using LDAP to go out. So if I can save you 99 problems and leave you just one, then <laughs> that's like the opposite of the song, right? So then we're good. Um, so there's got 99 problems, but my auth ain't one. I've always, I've always said that, you know, despite the fact that I work for, for a security vendor, technology isn't what saves you, right? Your people save you, right? The decisions they make on a day-to-day -day basis save you. They define the culture of your company. They define the ethics of the company. And they define the, the response that you make to the problem in front of you. And this is a situation where you are in uncertain waters, where your vendor is not in a position to give you everything that you need in the moment because they literally haven't had time to look yet and figure out how long is it going to take me to fix this? Do I even have anything to fix? But you're still being held to account on a second-by-second -second basis by the internet because the actors already have it in there. What are you doing in that space? Definitionally right. the issue with a no day. Yeah. Right. Like. And so, so part of your postmortem should be going back and being like, okay, did I learn enough fast enough? How long did it take me to come up to speed on this and on changes in this? Is my open source intelligence analysis fast enough? Is my internal intelligence fast enough? Is my communications good enough? Did I get that information to everybody that needed to get to it? And then did I have the capacity to respond? Were there ideas that were put out that we didn't have the tools to do? Was our segmentation insufficient to allow us to put the blocks in? Did I not have the right people on staff who knew how to interpret what we were looking at? Just part of security will always be what happens in those spaces between what your security vendor can provide and what your security employees can provide. And supporting those employees in terms of capability and training and compensation and, for God's sake, give them a nap every now and then, that that closes that gap, right? And that gap is the definition of what can hurt you. And so going back and looking at that, I think, is important. We've covered a lot of ground in just over 40 minutes. Um, before we go around the table, one... I hope I, maybe we'll have some time. Matt, do you want to share some share some 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 memes at the end of this? We have we'll yeah, 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 yeah. We can do memes. <laughs> Before we jump into the memes and the actual important stuff, uh, Liz, I wanted to ask uh, if you want to let your CTIR customers know, uh, remind them how they can get a hold of y'all if they are experiencing um, some kind of an issue or need you guys to jump in and take a look. I believe. Uh, Giacomo, our producer, has those numbers he can put up on screen if you want to kind of just go over how to do that. I just dropped that on Liz and I just made her remember yep, a number yep, she hasn't yep. memorized. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah. One, eight. Actually, I do have them in front of me. And so, um, so one, I mean, just from a incident response perspective, I think one, this makes have your retainers in place ahead of time. Um, this is not just us, this is every IR vendor 
retainers are important because it makes sure you have support when things like this happens. You know, you have all these experts, Matt and JJ's teams. I don't know when they've slept. They are literally on this, on top of this every day. So having that support in place is going to be key. Um, but so if you have confirmed post-compromise adversary activity, that's where we come in. Um, we do have an IR hotline. You can call the Americas, 1-844-831-7715. If you are in EMEA, um, do you have plus 44-808-234-6353. And APJC is plus 61 eight two nine four two two four eight and i really hope those numbers just scrolled across the screen and, <laughs> and like and can, a very much a go, telethon yeah you can go to talosintelligence.com yeah. and uh get those numbers there as well yeah, yeah. and also talosintelligence.com is that is where we're keeping our most up-to-date information our responders are actually pulling from that information that's the place if you call us that's the first place we're going to send you it'll be like hey have you read our blog and so go read the blog. And then if you still have questions, then give us a call. So one of the things one of the things that IR builds for each of these events is a thing called a plan of action. And I hadn't been paying attention to it because I, I have some folks on my team who who ensure that the intelligence that we gather ends up in the plan of action. Um, but I noticed that it, for all that we've spent 45 minutes talking about it, the plan of action that they currently have is 75 pages. <laughs> so... So they, they've been putting in some work. In, uh, Looks in like JJ is not the only one that hasn't been sleeping around here. Well, I mean, and to be fair, that's because the number of IOCs in this is, you know, constantly growing and evolving, which is a scary thing in and of itself, right? We just have, you know, so how many Yara rules can we build based on these indicators? But Matt's right. Uh, we learned in the past that in order for our responders to have the right information and for our customers, really seeing how can we distill all of this noise into these are the ways you detect it, these are the ways you mitigate it, these are your next steps. Those are going to be like we found that to be absolutely crucial in these times of crisis. So. Fantastic. Matt, if you want to go ahead and share your screen, uh, Giacomo will help you start getting the meme thing set up. But while you're doing that, um, I'm giving you a chance to play one of your favorite games called. I reject your question and substitute my own. Ooh. Yes, this is one of Matt's favorite games for everybody. So there was one question in, that I saw on the social feeds that has not been answered by uh, John or Sarah or any of our fine folks manning those social channels today. Uh, what do you think of exploits that can be loaded into volatile memory of network systems to sniff out networks? I'm not quite sure that one's going. Uh, and what protections exist based on unpredictable th these unpredictable unpredictable logic attacks that bypass hardware behavior protection? So I'm thinking they're asking about logic-based attack versus behavioral defense. Is I think what's there, but I'm going to let you uh, determine that question and substitute your own, Matt. Um, no, I think so. So certainly there, there's some there's some reference on. So if you're talking about network systems, um, let me just say in, in very clearly upfront, advanced attackers value network systems to land on. Like they enjoy controlling those devices. It gives them a for for the same reason that defenders enjoy segmentation. It gives them a place where they can control that traffic. Um, so some of the things that we've seen in the past, um, I think my favorite trick that I've seen is just capturing all DNS traffic and routing it to a random server in Germany uh, and letting that server decide where you go on the Internet. Um, that was a fun one. Um, so so for all that, it is rare to broadly talk about it. Absolutely prized in terms of of of, um, of targeting. Uh, 
Cisco has done a ton in terms of of in, uh, integrity management, and I don't have everything in front of me, so I'm not going to go over piece by piece. But if you go onto Cisco.com's documentation in terms of of looking for image integrity and kind of ensuring that we don't end up with backdoors on our devices and how we do that um, and what the obstacles to that are. There's a lot of documentation there. So uh, definitely a, a thing to do and definitely something to like that is not out of the bounds of, of thinking about. I will say that most network devices are, I, I, mean, I presume they're still based in BSD because because there's a kind of a prevalence of BSD net based networking devices out there. Not a lot of network stacks written in Java. Um, but like, like it's not your performance language of choice. Um, so hopefully there's not a lot of Java network devices out there, but if they are out there, it's completely viable in terms of attack surface. Fantastic. Let's go to our favorite memes. Seems like a great time to do that. And then we'll wrap this thing up. Oh yeah. Y'all, everyone watching can go away. Like stick around if you get a minute. We're done with like the useful information. <laughs> no, this is the best we're thing that has come you. out of this. I, I feel now like we're doing they're... what we do to pass the time That's so right. we don't go crazy. You have to have some levity every once yeah. in a while. And I think like the security community has really come together when it comes to making memes for this. So way to, way to go, community. I applaud you. Well, I don't know who it was, but but to, to, if you go to log4jmemes.com, there is... Like that's how that's what we're looking at on my on my screen here. Yeah, um, scooped up that domain. Yeah. Good, Way a to service to the community, sir or ma'am. Thank you for your work. Yeah. Yes. That that's that is community service, right there. <laughs> so uh, I, I do like this one. I believe that one is. Uh, yeah, we have that one up right now. This is this is the de facto. This is the one. This right? is it. Yes. This, this was is the, the first relevant one we saw. That you're yeah. like. This is the one you quote. And, and look, like. Like this is, this is true not just of Log4j. Like there is a ton of of poorly recognized, uh, hardworking open source. Um, like sometimes when I think about money and how like money doesn't actually exist, but it's also like one of the most important things in the world. Like I have like this weird existential crisis about just like how is any of this work? That's how I feel about the internet. When I really start thinking like, no, we all just got together and agreed. Like this is how it, the internet protocol works. And some very nice people wrote some software that everyone else in the world made billions of dollars on. Um, and they just do it for free. And we all use it and don't think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and it leads to situations like this. Um, and so, <laughs> like, obviously, the people at Log4j provided an outstanding service in terms of providing the kind of um, uh, capabilities that developers needed. So it was, it was, it is. It is awesome that they are there. So, yep, that's kind of the de facto there. Uh, Liz, you liked, I think this this is your favorite down here. That one. Yes, yep. love that one. Love <laughs> that, that one. one. Uh, and, and it's this is kind of what we expect the next three months to be like, right? Where And it'll be like, so, Jay, did you tell me your robot, your vacuum cleaner had Log4J? <laughs> I mean, I checked it, you know. I had okay. to, like, it drove by, and I'm like, I better check it. So I okay. renamed it, and I'm not going to disclose what did or did not happen. Okay. So, so yeah, we expect that, like, it's just, you know, Java is, like, as anyone in the security field, every time they install Java, they see the thing come up that says, Java is on over 6 billion devices. And they're like, yay. Oh, right? <laughs> so anyway, the I mean, most popular logging platform for Java and those 6 billion devices is this thing called Log4j. 
so there you go. That's your future. Um, so there's probably a refrigerator out there that's vulnerable to it or whatever. We'll see. We'll see that kind of stuff kind of coming up. Dude, I'm going to get up one morning and try to make my coffee. And some dude is going to try and tell him, me that I owe him 0.2 Bitcoin to like make my coffee <laughs> this morning. And I'm going to lose it. And depending, well, depending and, on and how groggy you are, yeah. you might do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like here, just, just take it. Just take the Bitcoin. I don't care. Just do it. Put so some this, extra this, gas on it. I need this coffee now. This one caught my eye because it's it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. Can we just have a logging platform that doesn't download and execute code from the internet? It's just it all in all honesty, like there's a ton of things that 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 drive the world. And like this should be a a a siren call to not just the open source developers, but anyone who publishes a four fee library that's used. I know there's a ton of them, like it's particularly in terms of some of the data science stuff. But if you have default conditions that allow you to reach out and then execute code, um, one of the ones that I that I remember was uh, oh, I can't remember what company. It's probably good that I can't remember what company it is. But there was a company that had a monitoring product <laughs> that you could send a packet over it, and in the packet you could put a memory location, and it would execute whatever's in that memory location. And oh wow! I'm That's sure. Amazing. I am positive because I've been a development manager and I've talked to developers who've had ideas like this. They think this is the smartest thing anyone's ever come up with, <laughs> right? And so, but for all of us in security, we're like, you what? But I'm not a developer. I'm barely a security person. And even I can tell you that's a terrible idea. <laughs> like that is just a terrible idea. That's like, well, we won't get into the analogies. That's I feel fine. like that was That's like in the early idea. the early beginnings of security too. It was pretty. It was back. It was it was before ransomware was a thing for sure. So yeah. so there's that one. Um, this is my favorite. Uh, just because Love the format. This is one of my favorite formats and yeah, so useful. It it, it is multi. It, it comes up a lot. Just you know, the internet is just one vulnerable open source project away from collapse. Always has oh, been. <laughs> it ain't wrong, right? Like he's not. He's not. I remember being younger. I remember like watching. Uh, it was much in the, uh, the 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 Senate hearings, and that's why I learned about uh, BGP. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah, younger. Yeah. I was like, oh 100%. crap, this whole thing's gonna fall apart. Okay, like, and that's... and largely they'll tell you still same. Nothing's changed since the hearing, in terms of BGP security. That's not completely true, but but there are definitely still still. Some concerns. You can't talk about anything you're thinking of, JJ. <laughs> I can see you. I can see you working through intelligence bulletins, and none of that, none of that's available for live air. <laughs> that's why I'm just staying quiet over yeah. here. <laughs> I think those are the big ones. Can't can't do that one. Nope, nope not that one. No, nope, yeah. no. Nope, there's that's... lots on here we can't share. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's worth a visit if you want to get a you know a little laugh out of some of this. <laughs> I mean, it's December. Um, um, you guys were trying to shut down. You're trying to to get to your your break. Um, Log for shell, busy curb stomping all of us. Uh, I guess the message from us to you is, is is like let me first talk to the managers first because employees largely don't have a say in 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 some of what they get to decide to do. Take care of your people. Yes. Um, they will remember your decisions now. Um, they are the people that are going to get you out of this. Um, if if they can, if they say that it's going to take some amount of time to do it, let them do it in that time. Um, let them know what's important and what's not, so that they can help help prioritize things. 
but those are the people that are going to drag you through this mess. And so you, you managing them is the most important thing you can do right now. Um, and mainly just try to stay out of the way and let them do their job. Be a leader, not just a boss. Yep. hundred percent healthy. Keep them in a good set, good mind frame. If All you're right. a security person, for God's sake, go take a nap. Like, <laughs> right? right. Because and, the nice thing about that is, you know, by the time you wake up, something new will be there. That's right. Um, you have something all new and, to yeah. look for. <laughs> so, like, take tomorrow's like, a whole new day. <laughs> like, we're we're totally expecting two seventeen to drop at some point. Yeah. For yeah. every Red Bull, drink some water. You know, just you know, get some food. Talk to hey, talk to your wife. Just ask her how she's doing because you've been busy in your or little your husband, office. whomever you got around, yeah. whatever. Or your whatever. cat, yeah, you just know. Be, uh, whatever. Yeah. And if you need I a break, taking care of your cat. You, you, you it's a good excuse cat. as a break too, right? The kids are in the other room screaming. The family's not getting along. Oh, there's something going on. I got to deal yeah, with it. The internet's on fire again. Remember oh no, it's another CDE. Like, I got hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right, let's uh, let's go around the table. Let's get a like how we usually end our podcast is to give a closing thought and parting shot from each host and and JJ today that includes you as well, uh, Matt. On my screen, your top right. Although I see that you're not in the monitor, so that's probably confusing to other people. But I'm going to go with you anyway. Good, good parting shot. Smooth <laughs> closing thought. Um, just patch. Right. You know, you know, if you're a developer, maybe the right thing to do is patch um, and not be clever. Um, sometimes I know it doesn't feel as as good as coming up with real some real neat little way to, to protect yourself. But just patch and then you won't get outsmarted later and, and look silly. So that's where I am on that. Fantastic. Liz, parting shot, closing thought. Um, it has never been Logforge. So never. Yeah, never. JJ, that was nonsense. That was complete nonsense. <laughs> I, I mean, I've heard of LOL, 4J, Lolage, Lolage. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you know, uh, favorite IR stances. It's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Mm -hmm. um, from a responder standpoint, we are probably going to have a, a long few months. Um, and also other adversaries are not stopping while this is happening. So if you put all your resources in this one bucket, you're probably going to miss, you know, all our other fun friends who are taking advantage of this time as well. So just keep that in mind. Fantastic. JJ, parting shot, closing thought. What's on your mind? Uh, so I'm, I mean, I'm going to reinforce what Matt said, patch, and then, you know, patch some more. Um, but also, you know, to Liz, a statement Liz made earlier, really focus on detecting post exploitation behavior, right? That's how you're going to find this um, after a successful exploit. You're, you're going to find some low level reconnaissance or you're going to find some LSAS memory being dumped or you're going to find Mimi cats, right? Look for that one thing that is the tip off uh, that, that bad guy is doing bad guy things in your environment. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. I want to thank everybody for joining us on this special live stream edition of Beers with Talos. Matt, Liz, JJ, thanks for providing a lot of information to the audience. And we will also get this live stream, uh, strip the audio and get it out onto our normal podcast RSS feed so you can enjoy the replay there. And there will also be replays and snippets made available across our social channels uh, over the coming days. So there'll be a few different ways to consume this content uh, in a replay format. But thank you all so much for joining us today. 
And until our next regularly scheduled podcast, stay safe and cheers.